God is good, and all the time, glad that you chose to worship with us today. In case you don't know, my name is John, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here. I want to welcome you this morning, those of you in the building, those of you who are online as well, and I'm going to invite you to find your way to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4 will be there in a moment. Uh, This is week two of, of our new series, our series that we call Leftovers, and and it seemed like after we took a vote last week that leftovers get a bad name because most of you seemingly like leftovers. Uh, but when we think about this series, uh, we're going to think about it from a, a negative aspect. That we understand that what we're trying to convey here is that God doesn't want our leftovers. And unfortunately, at least in my life, I'll speak for me, uh, oftentimes God gets my leftovers. And we, we kind of have this guiding, I guess, thought or presupposition of this series, and that is this. That God is the owner of all things, and I am just a manager. Everything that I have is a gift from God, and God is entrusted to me to manage for His glory. One of my favorite verses is 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11 and 12. And I'm going to have it up on the screen for us. Maybe you're at home, you're sitting on your couch, you're watching. I'm going to encourage you to, to read it out loud. Those of you in the building, same for you. Let's read this out loud together this morning, okay? And it speaks to God is the owner. Everything I have is from him. All right, here we go. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone. For you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. And at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Would you pray with me? God, we ask this morning that as we look in your word, that you would reveal in us areas in our life where we have not given you our best. I pray that you would challenge us and that you would speak to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to invite you to be a part of a 90-day challenge. Next Sunday, we're going to have a commitment card for you to make a commitment. We're going to ask you to pray about it. Hopefully, you've already been praying about it, as I mentioned it last week. We're going to invite you to turn them in on the 27th. And this 90-day challenge starts on the first Sunday of October, or really just October. It's kind of a 90 days that will finish the year. Here's what's going to be on that commitment card. Four different ways that maybe God is challenging you or ways that you could take this 90-day challenge. The first would be maybe just start giving a percentage on purpose. Uh, Maybe that's 3%. Whatever God puts on your heart, you're going to say for 90 days, October through the end of the year, I'm I'm going to to give back to God. Maybe it's that I'm going to start tithing. I'm actually going to give 10% of what God has blessed me with, and I'm going to try it for 90 days. Or maybe some of you have already uh, been faithful in tithing for many years, and maybe God would say, hey, why don't don't for 90 days you give 13% or whatever that percent God might put on your heart, and just take a challenge. God, I'm going to trust you even more than 10%. And understand, tithing is never the goal. Okay, that's, the tithing is not the goal. Generosity is the goal. We want to be generous towards God. The, the last challenge here, potentially, for some of you is that maybe God would challenge you to give a double tithe for 90 days. I'm just going to give God more. I want to I I have faith. I want to have more faith. I want to trust that God can 
provide. So begin praying about that. Again, you'll get those cards next week. He'll ask you to turn them in on the 27th, and then that challenge begins on uh, October. And, and in Scripture, and oftentimes in church, my, my dad always used to say, people get funny when you talk about money. Is that true? Shake your head. People, people get funny when you talk about money. And oftentimes in church, uh, we, we kind of shy away from it, or maybe we're embarrassed to talk about it, because one of the number one complaints people say about the church is, all they want is my... Yeah, so you've said it too, right? And, and that's not the truth, but I think... Here's what I believe. Jesus talked more about money really than any other subject. And I believe the reason that Jesus talked more about money than anything else is because Jesus knew that money would be the greatest competitor of our heart. We're to love God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And I believe Jesus understands that the greatest competitor of my heart is going to be my money. And so think about it from this perspective. If I can gain victory in my life in this one area of my finances or my money, if I can gain victory in that and handle my money as if God really is the owner and I am just the manager, then think of the perspective or the, the opportunity I have in all other areas of my life for spiritual growth. If I can defeat, in the power of Christ, this one competitor of my heart. So the question this morning is this. Do I give God my best or I give God the rest. Last week we talked about giving God our family. This week we're talking about giving God our best. Next week we're going to talk about giving God our first, which is going to kind of come up a lot today as well. And then the last week of September we're going to talk about giving God our heart, giving God everything. So I'm going to ask you to, to look at uh, Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to start reading and we're going to read the first seven verses this morning. Then we'll read a little bit later. Verse number one, now Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. And Cain was very angry. His countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? And, and I'll pause just for a moment here. We see what's happening here is that uh, from what I understand of this offering that Cain and Abel have given, that it wasn't a requirement for them to give this offering. This was a free will offering, just an opportunity for them to worship, a way for them to worship was just to give of, of their increase. And so in the giving of their increase, there was what God was expecting, what God was wanting in this free will offering, and that is he, he wanted what was best. He wanted what was first. He wanted them to give in faith. And, and that was the understanding that Cain and Abel would have both understood, and yet Cain apparently does not do that. And when God says his offering was rejected or not accepted, then Cain gets mad. And God is like, well, you knew the rules. It's kind of like as parents, when we tell our kids not to do something, and then they go ahead and do that said something, and then when they get in trouble, for some reason they're mad at us, right? You knew the rules. Here's the consequences for those. Anyways, we won't get into that subject this morning. But here's what the Lord says. Cain, you, you knew. Look at verse number 7. 
He said, if you do well, if you had given an offering the way I expected you to give an offering, again, understand this is a free will offering. It wasn't a requirement for him to give it. It was a way he was choosing to worship God. And, and God says, if you do well, would you not be accepted? If you do not do well, is an interesting phrase. Sin lies at the door. Its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now, when we think about this offering, the question seems uh, obvious. Why did God accept Abel's offering, but he did not accept Cain's offering? Well, the reason God accepted Abel's offering and not Cain's was because Abel gave what was first and what was best. Look at verse number four again, and I want us to just read verse four in the New Living Translation. There's one phrase that sticks out in the New Living Translation. Uh, in, the, in the New King James, which I just read, it says, the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. But in verse number four of Genesis chapter four, in the New Living Translation, it says this. This is the phrase. It's the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. It was, notice the two words. It was the best and it was the first. We don't get a lot of information uh, of why Cain's offering was not accepted. But we can deduct from why Abel's was accepted, why Cain's was not. Because Abel gave what was first and what was best, and then we realize Cain gave the leftovers. Cain gave the leftovers. He chose not to give God his best. He chose not to give God his first. So I want to give you three principles this morning as we think about this text, the story of Cain and Abel. Three principles about giving God our best. The first is this, bringing God my best sets me up for success. Bringing God my best sets me up for success. It's interesting as we read verse number seven there, that the Lord says to Cain, who did not give God his best, who gave God his leftovers, he said, if you do well, would you not be accepted? If you do not do well, and then, then here's this kind of warning that God is giving, sin lies at the door. One other translation would, would translate that, sin is crouching at the door. It's this understanding that when, when there is small areas of disobedience in my life, it almost always leads to big areas of disaster. It's that, what we would now maybe term as the slippery slope. So what I deduct from this is that what God is saying to Abel is, if you will give God your best and your first, it's a way of guarding your heart from sin in your life. And Cain chose not to give God his best and his first, and the Lord said there's sin lying at the door. And one small sin, where did it lead? Cain. Look at verse number 8. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. It came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the, from the earth, which, he, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground... It shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out of this day from the face of the ground. I shall, have, I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a, ba- a vagabond on the earth. 
and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Small areas of disobedience, sin lies at your door, always lead to large areas of disaster. Ravi uh, Zacharias says it this way. I'm, I'm sure you've heard this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. It'll cost you more than you want to pay. Giving God my best guards my heart from sin. It sets me up for success. Number two, the second principle. Bringing God my best allows me to rule over my stuff. Okay, this is an interesting principle. Giving God my best, giving God my first, it allows me to rule over my stuff. And you've heard the saying, I'm sure. Uh, we've got to learn to master our money or our money will master us. And, and the first step in that is just giving God first, giving God best. Now, when we think about this, I, I know that typically what's our mind and maybe the easiest way for us to kind of think through this is in our money. But if you remember last week, I said there's really three areas in our life that we want to think about this. Do I give God the best of my time, the best of my talents, and the best of my treasure? Giving God the best of my time, the best of my talent, and my treasure allows me to rule over my stuff. Now, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. As I mentioned already, Jesus talked more about money than just about any other subject. And we're going we're gonna to come back to this text, Matthew chapter 6, uh, next week and probably the week after that. So maybe you could spend some time reading it. Jesus is specifically talking about money. I think application and the principle we learn about our money can also be applied to our time and our treasure as well uh, and our talent. So look at what verse 19 says, Matthew chapter 6. Again, this is Jesus speaking. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, as we think about what Jesus says here, there's really two aspects or two ways of looking at how we invest. Again, our time, our talent, and our treasure. And what Jesus is warning for us this morning is that he wants us to invest our time in things that will impact eternity. And when we think about time, we think about our talents, we think about our treasure, we can invest all these things, we can invest our time in really two categories. Things that will not last forever, that are temporary, or things that are eternal, that have an eternal impact. And I wonder... If every day we woke up and said, God, what could I do today that would have an eternal impact? And if you're like me, most of the time, you're just trying to get through the day. And there's two ways of looking at my life and my time and my talents. Am I investing in eternal things or temporal things? And last week, we talked about one of the ways that we as a culture invest our money in temporal things. Really, our time has just as much. 
But in 2019, if you remember last week, I said that in 2019, we as Americans spent $17 billion just on kids' sports. Okay, that involves traveling to and from the tournaments, staying at the hotels, all those things. $17 billion. For the most part, that investment is a temporal investment. It, it, it's going to impact this life, and most of the time, that's it. Now, I want us to think from another perspective, how we spend our time and our talents and our treasure. And one of that is, is to say, I want to say thank you to you guys. Do you realize that as soon as this pandemic started, that some of you immediately started giving to our benevolence fund? What do you even ask for it? And because of your generosity and because of your faithfulness in giving, uh, we have the last uh, three different times during this pandemic, we have uh, put out Facebook ads. We've invited people in our community to come up to the church and get a, a $50 Walmart gift card. We've given out over $150 Walmart gift cards. That's because of your generosity. And we think, what am I investing in? Two weeks ago was the third time that we had this gift card giveaway. And uh, most of the time when we did that, I, I kind of just stood uh, right out here on the sidewalk as you enter and just kind of was waving people in. And uh, this several, actually every week, there would be people just walking the sidewalk, and I would invite him to walk up and get a gift card. Two weeks ago, this lady, she's 20 years old, lives right over here in our neighborhood. She walked up, and I said, hey, uh, you can go up there and get a $50 gift card. And she was like, uh, yeah, sure, what do, you, what do you mean? You know, like, what, what am I going to have to do? I was like, I'm probably just going to have to sign your name, and that's it. Nothing's free, you know, we have this conversation. I said, no, just go up there. I see her walk up the sidewalk, right here at the portico. She meets Allison, our children's director. And I kind of lose track of time. I'm kind of waving at cars as they go by. And I look over a few minutes later, and, and I don't see the girl that was walking by, nor Allison standing out here anymore. And what had happened is the reason this young lady went for a walk is because life has been difficult for her. And she just needed to clear her head. She walks up, and Allison begins to talk to her. Can I pray for you? And this conversation leads to, do you know about Jesus Christ? And the girl had never really heard of Jesus. Allison walks her through the ABCs, you know, admit, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that, that Jesus died to pay the penalty of your sin debt, and, and then C, confess that Jesus is Lord. And, and you know what? That girl, two weeks ago on, on a Saturday morning, gave her life to Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, praise the Lord. You, you can clap for that. And I say, some of you invested by giving a little bit of money, and that investment is treasure in heaven. A few weeks ago, uh, some friends of ours who you know uh, are, are missionaries in Southeast Asia, and they've been kind of uh, stranded here because of COVID, but about three or four weeks ago, they got a text from some of their uh, workers in the coffee house, and so they have a coffee house in Southeast Asia in order to stay in the country. And they use the coffee house to disciple people. They get, a, they get some messages from uh, some of their workers. And uh, about three or four weeks ago, two people from out in some village walk into the coffee house. And you know what they said as they walked in the coffee house? Hey, we heard from our village that this is the place we can find about Jesus. Jesus. 
And the two workers at the coffee house gave them the ABCs. They told them about Jesus. And those two people from the village gave their life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that awesome to think about? You can, yeah, you can clap again. Listen, I'm just trying to get us a perspective. We, we invest our time and our talents in things every day. Which of those that we invest our time and our treasure in have eternal value? What Jesus is asking of us is, I want you to consider that you give your best to what really matters. Give your best to what's going to last. So, number three. Number three, let's look at the third principle this morning. Bringing God my best demonstrates my faith. Giving God my best demonstrates my faith. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. So again, we think about this um, Cain and Abel story. We don't get a lot of information on why God chose not to accept Cain's offering, but we do get the reason why he received and accepted Abel's offering. We've already learned that he accepted Abel's offering because it was the first and it was the best. Again, deducting because he rejected Cain's offering that Cain had given him the leftovers. There's another reason in Hebrews chapter 11 that God received and accepted Abel's offering. Look what it says in verse number 4 of Hebrews 11. By faith. Because Abel gave not only what was best and what was first, but Abel gave in faith. You understand that giving God our leftovers of our time and our talent and our treasure doesn't take any faith. But giving God what's best and giving God first and giving God off the top now that takes a little bit of faith. Look what it says. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. Again, it just points to the fact that we are made righteous. We have salvation by faith, not of works. And it says, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Think about that, that phrase for a moment. Thousands of years later. Abel was the second person ever born. Think about that. The second person ever born. And what does this scripture say in Hebrews? This is known as the, the hall of faith. That because of his faith, because Abel gave what was best and what was first in faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. What I do with my time and my money will speak about me after I'm gone. And what will it say? Last Saturday, I sat here on this front row uh, for the memorial service of David Garcia. And if you don't know, David Garcia is 63 years old, good health, and suddenly died of a heart attack. And what I observed as I, as I sat here and listened was I, I watched his three adult children speak of his life. And I think of this verse that we just read in Hebrews. By faith, Abel gave what was best, what was first in faith, and though he is dead, he still speaks. 
and I heard these three adult children talk of their dad. And you know what they spoke about? His faith. And he gave God his best and his first in faith. I I don't know about you, but just listening to his children speak of his faith challenged me. What will people say about you? I'm scared to think about what my kids would say about me. Life is short. I want to point out something in this, the the names, Cain and Abel. I think there's some significance in their names that we don't often think about. Cain, the Hebrew name Cain means acquired. We read in the text there that Eve said, I was acquired, I named him Cain because I acquired of him from the Lord. What does that mean then? I, I think it speaks to the greater understanding that God is the giver of life. God is the author of life. Cain was acquired. What about the name Abel? The Hebrew word Abel uh, simply means breath. Most often translated, if you read Ecclesiastes, Vanity. It gives the understanding as I think about James. Remember what James said? Life is like a vapor. It's like breath. It's here, and then it's what? Gone. God is the giver of life, and life is short. And what we do with it, what we do with it is our gift back to God. You see, God, I said this last week, God is never going to ask you to give more than he's already given. He's never going to ask you to sacrifice more than he's already sacrificed. God emulated. God gave us the example of giving his best and his first. He gave his best in Jesus. He gave his first and only son in Jesus. And he wants us to give him our best and our first. Last Saturday, again, we were, as a church, kind of reminded, I guess, of the brevity of life. God is the author, and life is short. Last Sunday afternoon, about 4 o'clock, I drove to the airport uh, to meet Chris and Lisa Moore to give them their car. About 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I, I talked to Chris for a moment, For those of you who don't know, Chris has been a missionary in Kenya. The things that God has done in that missionary is amazing. And I told Chris that I loved him, and I gave him a big hug. That was 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon, last week. And at 6.05 on Monday morning, Lisa calls me and tells me that Chris had passed away. And the reason I share that with you this morning is is for you to really think of God is the giver of life, and life is short. Will you give God your best, or does he just get the rest? Will I live my life on purpose for his purpose?